Hello, you are listening to the Prism Collective podcast, an exploration of various artists and writers in Southern California. I am the host and curator, Brandon Stuhl. This episode will feature a short story by Jennifer Enares titled Poolside. Jennifer is currently an editor at Black Hill Press, where she has edited works such as The Memory Thieves by J.T. Robertson and The Cost of Paper, Volume 1. She's also the former editor-in-chief of the Chapman University literary magazine, Calliope, and her work has been featured in the Orange County magazine, Riviera. Now, here's Jennifer Enares reading Poolside. San Fernando Valley was a minefield. A scorching sun and undiluted wind wrenched up sweat from every place imaginable. Joe sat under the shadow of the umbrella, having thoroughly slathered a coat of sunscreen onto Rosie, Franklin, and the neighbor's kid, Sunny. His damp white chest sagged like a limp plastic bag, and black hair sprouted from between his pecs and the edges of his nipples. He wore faded navy blue trunks, which exposed the narrow line of his butt crack whenever he bent over. Hunched and miserably bored in the slick metal seat, Joe stared into the pool as his children and that punk Sonny screamed Marco Polo at the tops of their tiny lungs. Franklin, Rosie, and Sonny splashed each other, their laughter bouncing off the ceramic tile and reminding Joe of those annoying squeaky sounds dolphins make. The children wore goggles glued tightly to their faces. Joe had made sure of that. He wasn't jumping in after those things if they sunk to the deep end. Rosie had resisted because hers got caught in her tangle of brown hair, and this prompted Sonny to snap the straps of his against Franklin's arms as he waited his turn. Now the kids swam as clumsily as dying goldfish, their mouths gaping open and shut like those guppies you see at the pet store, helplessly pecking at the aquarium glass. Joe hadn't chosen to bring Sonny along, but Veronica had insisted. Sonny, the oldest one of the bunch, claimed the position of leader and typically was the one who got the ranks into trouble. He was a little jerk, too, never listening to Joe, but always the convenient angel when Veronica was around. A year ago, Rosie had broken her arm after jumping off the top of the minivan, and Joe was convinced it was Sonny whom had made Rosie do it. Sonny played Marco, but instead of closing his eyes, he simply screamed, Marco, and swam frantically towards Franklin and Rosie, his arms wild propellers as he tried to drag them under. None of that, Sonny, Joe called to him, as Sonny proceeded to tackle Franklin while yelling, Marco, Marco. His laughter was cruel and choppy, like some aquatic mad hatter. Sonny, Joe yelled, seeing Sonny finally release Franklin, who floated breathlessly over to the shallow end. Sonny drifted innocently, a triumphant smile tweaking the corners of his lips. God, he hated that kid. You okay, Franklin? Joe asked from his post under the umbrella, reluctant to drag himself into direct sunlight. I'm okay, said Franklin, buzzing around like a submarine, lips vibrating against the water. The slam of the gate jarred Joe from his gaze of the pool, where he saw walking in two young women, one blonde and one brunette. Oh my God, he thought. They could have been Maxim models. Not that he really knew Veronica didn't let him buy that magazine, but he was sure they'd look like this. The blonde wore a sheer white shift dress and yellow plastic sandals, which slapped her feet as she walked. 
Her lips were full and puckered. The brunette wore a midriff tee and tiny black workout shorts, the pink tails of her bikini peeking out the back of her top, her long dark hair and a high ponytail. The way they walked over to the reclined patio chairs made Joe think of Barbies, breasts violently protruding over tiny waists and long, slim legs. Watching from behind his sunglasses, Joe tried to casually straighten in his seat, vividly aware of the flap of flesh that hung over the edge of his trunks. Having claimed a couple of chairs, the girls set down their magazines and keys and began to strip. Joe felt himself get hard as he watched them peel off their clothes and lie down. This was more than I get at home, he thought. Veronica never changed in front of him anymore, and all her bras were a dingy nude color. No pink straps or frills could be found in their apartment. The brunette had some big ones too, holy cow. Stacked like a pile of pancakes, his father used to say. A shriek from the water pulled Joe out of his ogling and back to the pool where Franklin was riding on Rosie's back in the shallow end. Rosie's mouth sputtered like a tugboat under the waterline as Franklin yelled, You're my horsey! You're my horsey! Get off! she screamed, arms paddling helplessly. Hey, hey! Joe called over to them, unsure of what else to say without claiming these children as his own. He eyed the girls' round bottoms, reminded of bubble wrap. He wanted to press his thumbs into them. Maybe if he ignored the kids, the girls wouldn't think they were his. Except, of course, he was the only other adult in the pool area, and then he'd just appear to be some sweaty creep who watched children. Twenty minutes passed, and only a couple particularly loud splashes and plunks had drawn Joe's attention to the pool. He couldn't extract his eyes from the girls. The blonde had turned over and shifted her arms above her head, and Joe kept imagining what it'd be like to have her underneath him. A pang of guilt struck him at the thought, well, at all the thoughts he'd been conjuring, so he deliberately went about unfolding and refolding the children's Disney-themed towels. On one of them, Belle smiled at him with a twinkle in her eye, but the candlestick guy had a weird sneer on his face. After a couple rounds of this, he wasn't sure what to do with himself. He realized he'd stopped sucking in his stomach and gulped a loud breath of air in embarrassment, flashing a look at the girls. The act was so sudden that he choked on a pool of saliva that had been collecting in his mouth and started to shake with coughs. They sounded gargled and phlegmy, and he noticed the two girls lift their heads at the sound. Shit, he thought, attempting to keep his belly in and clear his throat simultaneously. Burning with shame, he stood up and brushed off his trunks. What he was brushing off, he wasn't sure, but the act felt official to him. This type of thing never would have happened to him back in the day. He had been quite the charmer in junior college. Joe could recall a few runs in the laboratory supply closet, knocking bottles filled with stuff like alkalides and fermenting fluid from the shelves. Of course, none of those girls compared to these two. Peering from the corner of his eye, he saw the brunette untie the straps of her pink bikini, bearing the entire slope of her tan back. This was torture. It'll never happen, Joe. It'll never happen, he thought with a truckload of disappointment. Anyway, it wasn't right to be staring at these girls, not with Veronica at home. Veronica. Maybe he could convince her to keep the lights on and the blankets off tonight. Maybe she'd even feel like it right now. 
She wasn't so spontaneous after 11 years of marriage. That's it. Clapping his hands together and taking a step towards the pool, Joe called the kids in. Come on. Come on. Time to go home. Head on in. The children split up, jerkily swimming to opposite ends of the bean-shaped pool so as to gain some time. All pretended not to have heard him, continuing to swim and stay clear of the edge. Let's go! Dock the boat, Joe said. And by boat, he meant the neon green caterpillar floaty. He thought it might sound strange to say what he usually said. Bring in Mr. Wiggles! And dock the boat was more formal and authoritative. Something a captain might say. Rosie headed straight for the caterpillar floaty, diving under and popping into one of the donut sections of its body. Bouncing back and forth, she tried to steer it towards the shallow end. Dock the boat, Rosie. Come on, Franklin, get in the boat, Joe said, waving his arms over the pool like a magician, as if it would somehow corral them. It's a caterpillar, Daddy, it's Mr. Wiggles, said Rosie, tugging the floaty closer and closer to the edge, but at an impossibly slow speed. Glancing over, Joe saw the blonde was sitting up and the brunette craning her neck to look behind her. His gut heaved with embarrassment. He had to get these kids out of here. Franklin, pretending to adjust his goggles, had lingered too close to the edge of the pool. Taking his chance, Joe kneeled and bent over the edge, his butt crack gliding into sight. Latching his arms onto Franklin's forearms, he awkwardly dragged the boy up and out of the water. Franklin didn't make things easy and dangled corpse-like. Grunting, trying to set Franklin on his feet, Joe gave up and laid the boy on the hot ground like a piece of wet laundry. Scorched, Franklin yelped, Ow, Daddy! Come on, Sonny. Joe said, ignoring Franklin altogether. At least his two were out of the pool. If Sonny didn't make it in five seconds, he might consider abandoning him. He took another look at the girls and noticed they were smiling at each other, glancing over at the scene he was making. Sonny slowly swam his way in, taking time to pause every couple of strokes and look down at his feet shimmering in the water. Sonny? 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 Look at me, Sonny, Joe said, huffing as he jerked his trunks up. Sonny peered at Joe, smiling. Get out. Giving himself a minute, Joe walked over to the pile of towels where Rosie stood waiting, playing with one of Mr. Wiggle's antenna. Whipping a towel out of its fold, Joe wrapped Rosie in a cocoon. Turning to do the same to Franklin, Joe saw that his boy was back in the water, standing on the shallow steps, picking his nails. Charging over, his mouth set in fury, Joe snapped out another towel and wrapped Franklin in a vice-like trap while simultaneously lifting him out of the water. The maneuver managed to plunk half the towel in the pool. Hey! Sonny! In! Now! It was too late. He had already thoroughly humiliated himself. Not waiting for Sonny's response, Joe splashed down the shallow steps. Slipping on the tiled edge, his body slammed into the boy, a slow motion smack to the bottom. There was a dull thud as they hit the pool floor, and Joe, both arms wrapped around Sonny, struggled to get up, their bodies rolling like eagles to the surface. Taking in a large gasp of air when he reached the top, Joe trudged through the water as if it were mud. 
Sonny locked to his chest. His sunglasses were askew, and even with the blurred vision, he could see the girls watching him, mouths open in shock. Having finally climbed up the steps and out of the water, Joe tried to plop Sonny on his feet. Instead of standing, the limp body slid to the ground. Sonny's head rolled loosely before it smacked on the orange tile. His tiny body lay completely still, and Joe looked down, frozen in horror. Even with his ears clogged and head in a daze, Joe heard one of the girls scream. That was Jennifer Enerez reading her short story, Poolside. You've been listening to the Prism Collective Podcast, production and music by myself, Brandon Stuhl. For more information about the podcast or featured artists, visit prismcollective.org.